Today, I have a very special episode set up for everybody. We are going to cover health guidelines for a modern world. That's right, everybody, bringing you some health in the modern world. Basically, this is just going to be a general guideline for people who maybe have been wanting to get a little more healthy and didn't know where to start or feel like there's too much conflicting advice out there. Basically, I'm going to demystify the most common health changes you could make that are really hard for anyone to deny or rebuttal or anything like that. Uh, These are just general guidelines and they are very easy changes to make to your health and uh, I've got some really good steps as well as some statistics provided here for all of you and uh, yeah let's dive right into it so starting off is water water is the most important thing that you could be doing right now is drinking more water that's obviously super basic super simple but It's the little things. It's the little things that add up. So, basically, water is everything. So, your body, according to the United States Geological Survey, the adult human body is 60% water. Now, it can be down to 55%, could be up to 70%. Depends on your age, depends on your sex, depends on a few different factors like that. But either way, your body is a majority water. And we're not drinking enough. The problem here is that 75% of Americans are chronically dehydrated. That's pretty crazy. That's a lot of people not drinking enough water. Now... I don't know about you, but I think we need to start drinking a little more water. If your body is 60% water, roughly, then you have to also take a look at all the other functions in your body that rely on water. Uh, For example, your blood, 90% water. That's huge. That means the water you're drinking is directly affecting your blood, blood pressure, cleansing of the blood, very many different uh, functions going on there, and it's all reliant on water. Now, just to give you an example of some of the functions that rely heavily on water, we just covered blood, but also the lymphatic system, which is super important because that's basically going to be draining a lot of toxins out of your body, and that is mainly composed of water. Uh, Your proper digestion relies on your water intake, 
So maybe people getting a little backed up need a little water. Uh, synovial fluid of your joints, primarily water. Cerebral spinal fluid, also primarily water. Super, super important stuff here. And it is. It's very, very important for you to be drinking adequate amounts of water. Um, I know personally, back in the day, I... <laughs> I was not drinking the amount of water I should be. Uh, didn't really like making those trips to the bathroom, but it's good. It's good for you. Keeps the body cleansed, keeps the body, re body running properly, and it's just super important. Now, on that note, dehydration can slow down your metabolism. And the reason that's important is because that is your body's ability to burn energy. That is literally, metabolism is the process of your body converting what you eat and drink into energy. So you're slowing that down, which is also basically you could be burning fat possibly when you have a higher metabolism. So keeping that metabolism a little higher by just drinking some water could be a good thing. Now, one thing I know a lot of people are dealing with these days, being stuck behind a screen, or just dealing with daily life, and that is headaches and migraines. Headaches and migraines all day, every day. People be dealing with them. Here is the thing. Water is one of the biggest causes of headaches and migraines. That's simple. If you're feeling a headache or a migraine, instead of going and taking an Aleve or something of that sort, just go get some water. Try drinking some water, maybe sprinkle a little bit of pink Himalayan sea salt. It's got a, some nice trace minerals in there as well. Super good for the body. And that might just take care of it right there. I know it's super simple. You might have even tried this, but try drinking a little more water. Don't just have a glass. Maybe have a maybe have two glasses, three glasses, and see what happens. See how your body feels after that. Now, when it comes to water, there is obviously the quality of water and then how much water you should be drinking. That could be like a whole other episode right there, but I'll give you a few tips just to get you started. So, with water, the recommended amount is that you take your body weight, you divide it in half, and then that is how many ounces of water you should be drinking per day. Now, let's say you're 200 pounds. Divide that by two, you get 100. So you should be drinking 100 ounces of water a day. I have a caveat to that. I personally think that if you are living more of a sedentary lifestyle, maybe not getting out as much, not exercising, not living in a hotter climate, your demand for water is going to be less, just naturally. That's just how it's going to be. So you do have to be a little intuitive with this. If it's a hotter day, you're outside, you're working, you're going to want to drink more water. If you're inside all day, maybe it's cold, you're not doing very much, you're probably going to drink a little bit less water. So use that as a rough guideline. doesn't have to be the exact amount that you drink, but that is a good number to strive for as well as uh, just trying to have a goal in mind so that you're keeping on track with drinking water. I mean, there's days where you can go and it's like, man, I haven't even had a glass of water today. So Stay up on the water. It's a super important thing. Okay, number two on the list. Four, health guidelines in a modern world. 
We got exercise daily for 30 minutes. Exercise is super, super, super important. And according to the CDC, you should achieve 30 minutes of moderate intensity exercise per day, aka brisk walking. 30 minutes, that's it. Just 30 minutes a day, brisk walking. On average, one in five adults only achieve this amount of exercise per day. One in five. That's crazy. That means four-fifths of the people are not even exercising 30 minutes a day. That's rough. That's super rough. And it's crazy because it's easy to do. You can go to work, come home, tired, eat your meal, watch your TV, and go to bed. It's super simple to do. But it makes a huge difference to just get out and do a simple brisk walk for even 30 minutes. That would make a world of a difference for your health, and it's super important to do. Now, a few reasons why exercise is so important is because we have some research done by the Harvard Medical School that took some women and saw that if they walked at least 30 minutes a day, it decreased their risk of diabetes by 30%. Just a 30-minute walk every single day. That's crazy. On that as well, research is finding that sedentary lifestyles or lack of exercise is linked to serious illnesses such as heart disease, type 2 diabetes, and colon and lung cancer. Just from being sedentary. It's crazy. Now, when you think about it, though, we as humans have only been living a sedentary lifestyle for a relatively short amount of time. So our bodies really are designed to move, carry, lift, run, just anything physical, really, because that's what we came from. I mean, it's only been the last 30, 40 years that computers and really sedentary work styles have been a huge factor in daily life. So there's really not that much time that our bodies have had to adjust to going to the sedentary lifestyle. Our bodies are used to having this very, very active lifestyle, and we're depriving our bodies of that. So really, just trying to find any kind of exercise that you can do for 30 minutes is going to be a good exercise. It doesn't have to be walking. If walking is not your thing, that's fine. You don't have to walk. You could do yoga. You could do weightlifting, you do any, anything that gets your heart rate up and running, that's a good thing right there. So uh, they always say the best exercise is the exercise that you are going to do. And that is absolutely true. You really, really need to just find something that's going to make you move. And that's what you want to do 30 minutes a day minimum. So we've got drink more water, exercise a minimum of 30 minutes a day. Also, a little side note on drinking water. Something that's very interesting is that when you become dehydrated, your body releases a hormone called 
the antidiuretic hormone, or ADH. Basically, this allows the kidneys to become permeable and allow fluid back into the body. I know that sounds a little weird, but that basically means that when you become dehydrated, your body is releasing what is about to be pee from your kidneys into your body to keep you from being dehydrated. So obviously our bodies are very smart, intelligent, and they have these different functions to help us keep performing at our best. But I don't know about you. I think I'd rather just drink some water than have a little bit of uh, about to be pee circulating through my body. I don't know, your choice, your choice. No, seriously, drink some more water. Um, okay, so we've got drink more water, exercise a minimum of 30 minutes a day. Now, on to number three, eat more fruits and veggies. Yeah, I know, this is super, super basic. Duh, eat more fruits and veggies. But people don't do it. It's really, it's so simple, and yet we're just not doing it. So let me just go over why it is important to include fruits and veggies into your diet. So fruits and vegetables, they contain vitamins, minerals, and antioxidants that promote overall health. This is very obvious. We all know this, but they really do. They, they have a lot of great qualities to them that our bodies are able to take and use that information, put it into the body and put it to use. Now, many fruits and vegetables contain polyphenols, which are a plant compound that tend to give fruits and veggies their vibrant colors. These polyphenols are responsible for fighting aging, feeding your gut, protecting your heart health, managing blood sugar, keeping weight in check, and fighting inflammation and pain. That's a lot of stuff for one thing. I don't know about you, but that sounds like a one-all, be-all kind of supplement right there. And I would definitely be wanting to take that. So right there, you have so many health benefits just from one component of fruits and vegetables, the polyphenols. We need to be eating those. Absolutely. So another reason it's important to eat fruits and vegetables is that when you diversify the amount of foods that you're eating, you're actually taking bacteria from those fruits and vegetables that are on the skin of the fruits and vegetables and just contained within them. And that actually goes in and begins to create changes within your microbiome. So we already know that your microbiome, which is your gut's diversity of bacteria and even viruses and, and other things as well. But when you eat really anything, its microbiome comes in and affects yours. And it's very good to have a very diverse microbiome. And the one way to do that that's very easy is just to eat an array of fruits and vegetables. If you're doing that, you are getting a diverse array of bacteria coming in and helping out your microbiome and your gut health. So really keeping a diverse array of fruits and vegetables is huge, as well as eating fruits and vegetables that are actually in season and local to your area. When you do that, it just ensures that you are getting maximum mineral and vitamin content, peak freshness, picked from local farmers, 
and helping out the local economy. It's really just a win-win right there. And it helps because your body also works in a cycle. It's able to determine what season it is. If it's summer or winter, your body actually does know that intuitively. And during summer, it realizes that it's going to be receiving higher amounts of sugar and fruit. Um, whereas, you know, maybe in the fall months, it knows that it's going to be receiving more squash or something of that sort that would be uh, growing at that time. Uh, granted, this is, you know, I'm speaking more of a, uh, you know, from North America. So if you're down closer to the equator, you're going to have a different, you know, different seasons and different fruits and vegetables. So go according to where you're living at. Now, continuing on, a study came out of the United Kingdom and found that people who ate at least seven servings of vegetables and some fruits every day have decreased mortality rates from all causes by 24% and decreases in cancer rates by 33% just from eating seven servings of vegetables and fruits. That's crazy. We really, really, really need to be including more fruits and vegetables. And it's a simple task. You know, when you're, com when you're making a dish at home, just include a little side salad. Include some cut up fruit. Just try to mix it in. Uh, it, there's so many recipes out there. It's really easy to do. And it, there's really no excuse for us to not be doing it at this point in time. Uh, so definitely go to a local farmer's market. I would highly recommend that because then you would support the local people who are producing the food in your area. Um, and also, like I said, you get what's in season. So that's what's really going to be best for you. Doesn't mean you can't go to uh, your local grocery store as well. Just try to shop for the fruits and vegetables that are in season. Now, on that note, I know a lot of people don't like to buy organic, or maybe they don't buy into it, whatever. Your choice, that's fine. But as a person who does try my best to purchase organic vegetables and fruits and pretty much any produce, uh, I do rely on a list called the Dirty Dozen and the Clean 15. It's put out, it's put out by a group called the Environmental Working Group, or EWG. And Basically, what they do is they just take a list of all the fruits and vegetables per year and they find out which ones are the highest sprayed with pesticides and herbicides and insecticides, all those different kinds of uh, sprays that you would normally find on conventional fruits and vegetables. And they tell you which ones are the dirtiest fruits and vegetables and then the cleanest fruits and vegetables. So, uh, Having those two lists on hand at all times is a really, really good idea, uh, especially for people who are on a budget, because I understand I'm, I'm the same way. You know, I can't always purchase everything organic just simply because my my funds don't allow it, basically, you know, <laughs> uh, don't got that. Don't got that kind of cheddar, you know. But anyways, uh, on that note, it does really help, though, because there are certain fruits and vegetables that you can at least feel better about consuming even though they're not fully organic and uh, quote unquote, maybe as healthy. So check that out. Uh, I'll try to link that in the show notes. Uh, it's the EWG, so Environmental Working Group. Just type in Dirty Dozen on Google, on that Google search, Dr. Google, he'll, he'll hook you up. 
Okay, so drink more water, exercise 30 minutes a day, eat more fruits and vegetables. Next one, and I know this is going to hit home for people, decrease that fast food intake. I know, I know. No, it's super simple. Super simple. People understand this. It's, I think it's a thing where people know fast food is not good, but it's so tasty. It's so tasty. It's so cheap. It's convenient. It's ready to go. I mean, what's, what's not to like? But they put a lot of stuff in there. That's not so good. So just to show what they're putting in there, I'm going to run through a quick list. And look, I'm not taking any stabs at anybody for enjoying some fast food. Don't get me wrong. I indulge every once and again. I'll go out. I'll get a little in and out, if you know what I'm talking about, West Coast. Um, but yeah, uh, they definitely don't put the best things in there. So let's get to it. First off, obviously, they put preservatives, odd chemicals, and bad oils in their food. This is just obvious. It's known. They're transporting food long distances. They need to keep it preserved for long periods of time. But some of these ingredients include MSG, mono, monosodium glutamate, uh, as a flavor enhancer, artificial colors, hydrogenated soybean oil, artificial flavors. Hold up, let me try to s pronounce this one. Dimethyl polysiloxane. Sorry if I didn't say that right, but I tried. Um, this is used as a filler in breast implants until it was phased out due to safety concerns. Oh no, breast is my breakfasts. Calcium disodium, EDTA. Preservative made from formaldehyde, sodium cyanide, and ethylene diamine? Gotta go back to that chemistry class. Gotta learn. I don't, I don't know if I'm pronouncing these right, but either way, good general rule of thumb. If you can't read or pronounce what the ingredient list is on the food you're eating, you probably shouldn't eat that food. Just, just saying. Now, on that note, like I said, not shaming anybody for eating fast food. I totally get it. There is a lot of economical... Uh, reasons people eat fast food and I definitely understand that um, yeah it's it makes it makes sense it's easy when you're coming home from work it's late at night you don't feel like cooking you just want something easy and simple and something that tastes good you got your fast food uh, so once again I totally get it but there is definitely a lot of research that shows that fast food does not lead to longevity and it actually does quite the opposite and leads to weight gain so we want to stay away from the fast food as much as possible if you're not able to do that that's okay just do your best to try to put more of the good foods like fruits and vegetables in the meals where you could have had fast food and instead opted for something like that not saying you got to do that every single day but if you can make these changes, you will see some results. So on that note, another reason why I would say stay away from fast food is just basically because the quality of food is going to be low. If you're buying a hamburger off the dollar menu for a dollar, 
how do you have a cow and some cheese and some bun and pickles for a dollar, but yet I go to the store and an avocado costs at least a dollar? That's crazy. That's crazy to me. So obviously I understand there is some subsidizing by the government going on with that, but that's crazy. I do not believe food should cost that only that much money when you're getting that much, like ground beef, bread, pickles, cheese, sauces. It's kind of crazy to think that you could actually get that for a dollar. It just has to show that really they are sourcing the lowest quality food they can find in order to keep the cheap costs for the customers. Makes sense, but you really do have to think about that. If what you are eating is becoming you literally, then you might want to start including higher quality foods in your diet. Now, on that note, obviously fast food is linked to weight gain. I'm not really even going to go into that. Just go watch Super Size Me. He'll explain it. It's, it's crazy. Now, on that note, there are a lot of added sugars in fast food. Now, sugar... Trust me, I'm sure that's going to get its own episode in the future, but sugar is linked to so many diseases, disruption in the microbiome in your gut. It's just one thing after another. It's crazy. The amount of sugar we eat nowadays is insane. Uh, I don't have the statistic. I'll find it later, but I know that on average, Americans eat over 100 pounds of sugar a year. I'm quite positive that's a correct statistic. <laughs> Maybe don't quote me, but go check Dr. Google. All right. Once again, we got increase that water consumption. Exercise minimum 30 minutes. Eat more fruits and vegetables and decrease fast food. Okay, next one. What times are you eating at? This is a very, very important one. So to keep it simple, you want to stop eating 90 minutes minimum before bedtime and one hour upon waking up. You do not want to eat in those areas. That If you're going to do anything, at least do those with time to eating. The reason you should do that is because when you eat a meal at night, your body has, you know, it takes a long time to digest food. If you're eating up to the minute you go to bed, your body is not digesting all of the food. So that means for hopefully eight hours a night you're sleeping, you have food chilling in your stomach, just sitting in there. That's really not a good thing to do. Also, it has been shown to lead to weight gain as well. So avoiding and keeping open that window without any food right before bed is huge. Actually, my dad who uh, had some serious issues with heartburn uh, one of the biggest changes he made was just stopped eating so late at night. He actually gives himself around three hours before bedtime, and it has made huge changes in his heartburn. Um, he literally would wake up in the middle of the night and sometimes have to step outside to throw up from his heartburn. It was really bad. So literally the timed eating made a world's difference for him. If you're dealing with heartburn, I'm not saying that's going to be the, you know, end all right there, but 
give that a try. If you are eating snacks or your last meal is, you know, 30 minutes before bed, try moving that back to at least 90 minutes. Maybe go a little bit further, two hours, three hours. It's up to you. Now, upon waking up, you should give yourself at least an hour where you do not eat any food. And the reason that is, is because you've got two different things going on. You've got cortisol, which is waking you up, and then uh, melatonin, which is putting you to sleep. So cortisol spikes in the morning because it's waking the body up. When cortisol spikes early in the morning, you really should avoid eating for that first 30 minutes to an hour. Uh, there's some science showing that there, the cortisol will help store any food as fat early in the morning, uh, just as a reserve for later in the day. Now, however, you know, even backing away from that, just look at it from a basic perspective. When you wake up in the morning, and the first thing you do if you eat food, I mean, I don't even feel like the system is up and running at that point. It takes me a good hour to really get up and running. You know, don't don't be throwing questions at me too early in the morning. Let, 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 let me wake up. Well, it's the same thing with your organs. They need to wake up as well. So actually, first thing in the morning, going back to increasing your water consumption, you should be actually drinking water first thing in the morning. Uh, you know, even 12 ounces of water or up to 24 ounces or more of water in the morning is really, really good for you to be doing and super important because that will go and help wake up all the digestive system, all the different organs and get things running smoothly. Uh, it's kind of like taking an inner bath as one of my favorite podcasters, uh, Sean Stevenson says. So uh, yeah, absolutely increasing that water intake as well as drinking water early in the morning. This is super important. So once again, don't eat too late at night. Don't eat that first hour of morning. Okay. Now, on to the next one. We've got mindfulness and meditation. Now, as a yoga teacher, this is huge to me. I try to do this every single day. And really, I know some people don't like meditation or they think it's a little odd or it's just not their thing. That's fine. Mindfulness is a similar form of meditation, but I think it's a little bit more digestible for uh, just someone who's never really meditated or has been a little off about meditation. So I'll start there. Well, actually, first, I'm going to explain why do we need mindfulness and meditation? And the reason we do is because we are super stressed nowadays. Everyone can agree on this. I Okay, maybe not everybody, but a majority of people will agree that we are living in stressful times right now, especially with all of the coronavirus and everything going on with that. It is, it's a stressful time. People, you know, there's a lot of issues with uh, job security, with uh, family, uh, abuse at home, just wondering how your bills are gonna be paid. I mean, there's there's so many different reasons for us to be stressed that weren't existent or weren't existing back in the day. So it's really important for us to actually address this issue of stress and realize that this is a big health concern. Um, and on that note, the best form to combat stress 
is mindfulness or meditation. There's a lot of science coming out on this right now, and I'm sure I'll be doing more than even just one episode on mindfulness and meditation in the future. But just to go over it a little bit right now, I'm going to give you guys um, a few techniques to practice so that you have something to use. Now, also on that note, meditation has been shown to lengthen what's called your telomeres. Telomeres are used as a way to determine your biological age. So you've got your actual age, take me for example, I'm 27, but you can look at your biological age, which is at a cellular level, and that can range from being older or younger than your actual age. So I could have telomeres that show that I am more like 23 years old biologically, or if I'm not doing so well, maybe I'm already 38 biologically. It, it really just depends. But meditation can lengthen your telomeres, meaning it will literally give you more life. It, it's making you younger. So just that alone is pretty incredible and I think worth trying some meditation and mindfulness on its own. Okay, now to get into a few of the techniques, uh, starting with, let's go with meditation first. So there's a lot of different forms of meditation, but to just keep it simple, first, you can just go on YouTube and type in a either a guided meditation, which is a person who's gonna walk you through some steps and give you some visuals probably just to relax you and get your mind into a certain state. Um, there's also just, you can, have a YouTube video up of sounds and listening to maybe uh, the Tibetan singing bowls or something of that sort. As well, there's also just a meditation where you can sit down and try to just clear your mind. And when people say clear your mind, I think it's more so don't think, oh, like nothing's going on in my head, but rather just try to become conscious that there are thoughts going on but you don't have to be absorbed in that thought. So if you're thinking about some food you ate later or earlier in the day and just how delicious that was, you can realize that you are thinking that thought and you don't need to be in that experience, rather you can just be the observer. Um, another way is just to focus on the breath. So the breath is something that your body is obviously naturally gonna do because you need to breathe to live, but it's also something that you can consciously control. So it's a great way if your mind is racing around and you're having a hard time focusing, just focus on your breath. Maybe even breathe in to the count of five, hold to the count of five, exhale to the count of five, and then hold for, for the count of five as well. And just repeat that. Do that maybe five or 10 times. And uh, that's gonna be really beneficial to reducing stress. Now mindfulness is slightly different. Mindfulness is still a form of meditation, but it's more so bringing your awareness into the present. So, for example, you're drinking coffee in the morning. Just focus on everything about the coffee. How does it taste? How does it smell? How does it feel when you drink it? Does it warm your body up? What are you doing while you're drinking it? Are you calm? Are you excited, what, what's going on. So really trying to focus on the present moment and just really bring awareness to what's going on. You can even do this actually when you're walking. So there's a, there's a walking meditation, but um, you can even pair up your breaths with your steps, or you could just focus on as you place each step, placing it very specifically heel to toe and just 
really focusing on each step as you walk. It's just bringing, like I said, it's bringing your presence or your awareness into the present. So trying to really become aware of what's going on and your surroundings. And this is a very, uh, a really good technique for obviously stress, but also actually anxiety. It has been shown to help with that as well. Um, once again, you know, not to say that this is going to cure your anxiety or anything, but it's free. I mean, you can do this at any time and see how it works for you. So highly recommend practicing some mindfulness or meditation, especially being that stress is so prevalent prevalent in today's day and age. So once again, to recap, we've got increased water consumption, exercise minimum 30 minutes a day, eat more fruits and veggies, organic if you can, decrease fast food intake, watch the times you're eating at, practice mindfulness and meditation, and we got two more left, baby. We're bringing it home. All right, second to last one, better relationships. So I cannot ex- I cannot stress how important it is to have strong, close relationships. To start this off, there was a study done by the Harvard School of Health and Medicine. It's a very common study. I'm sure many of you have already heard of it, but for, you, for those of you who have not, I'm just going to explain what they did. So they tracked 268 students for almost 80 years. This was beginning back in 1938. They found that all things aside, money, housing, diet, and any other factors you can think of, the biggest link associated with longevity or a long life was a person's relationships. Now, this isn't just any kind of relationship. This is close relationships specifically. Now, having relationships in general with people, and this is, I'm talking friendships, obviously not, you know, I mean, if you want to go the polyamorous route, that's on you, but uh, no, just friendships and also having good relationships as well in a, in a romance uh, scenario as well. But having close relationships, meaning you truly care for the person and they truly care for you back. Those kind of relationships are huge and were the biggest factor in people in this study who had the longest lifespans. Everything aside, just relationships. So if there's really anything to take away from this, is work on your relationships. If you've got issues going on with loved ones or friends you've had falling out with or something, just keep this in mind. Now, on that note, relationships are the common theme among blue zones. So blue zones, if you don't already know, are areas around the world where there is a large number of people in this community that are centenarians, so 100 years and older, and have extremely low likelihoods of having risks for disease and illness. And the, one of the biggest things is the relationships that they have. You go look at any of them from Sardinia to um, there's a, another place in, in Japan, you know, and, and really one of the big things is 
that they have strong community ties and they're able to really just come together as a community and, you know, you have old people sharing stories with other old people that they've grown up with their, for their whole life and, and just having that sense of community and those strong relationships, there's really, really something there that biologically our bodies need. So really working on having better close relationships needs to be something that we are all doing right now. Okay, on to the last one. Almost there. Okay, the last one. Sleep better. I know, I know, I'm asleep when I'm dead. I get it. Entrepreneurs out there are people who are just hard workers. They think, I'm gonna just run myself to the ground, I'm gonna put my nose to the grinding stone until I get the job done, whatever, two, three, four hours of sleep, all good. Sleep when I'm dead. Well, you might want to change that because lack of sleep could mean that you're going to be sleeping when you're dead a little bit sooner than you thought. (laughs) Sorry, not trying to put any bad omens on anybody out there. But seriously, sleep is a non-negotiable. There is so much science coming out on how important sleep is. Now, a way to look at this that is, once again, just from a commoner's perspective, if you took three things, diet, exercise, and sleep, and you went 24 hours without one of those things, which one is going to affect you the most? So, let's say you, for 24 hours, just throw your diet out the window, you go eat your Mickey D's or whatever you want to eat, for 24 hours. Okay, next, you know, after that 24 hours, you're probably gonna feel a little off, your stomach's gonna be upset, blah, blah, blah. But, now let's go take exercise. You don't exercise for a day, yeah, you're gonna feel sluggish, you're not gonna be maybe performing at your peak level, but you're gonna be all right, you're gonna make it through, there's always a tomorrow. Now, go 24 hours without sleep, And tell me how you feel. For those of you who have gone 24 hours of sleep, and I'm talking 24 hours with no sleep and no assistance from any illegal substances, all right? How do you feel after those 24 hours? You're pretty wrecked. I mean, by the time those 24 hours are up, you're ready to hit the hay. So, just that on its own should go to show sleep is super, super, super important. It has to be done. Uh, Once again, you know, and this is not coming from me, this is, uh, this is from a different, uh, from Sean Stevenson, and that is basically, if sleep was not important, we probably would have evolved out of that. Why would you be unconscious for eight hours of the day where any animal could sneak up on you and snatch you up? we probably wouldn't be doing that any longer. So it's definitely something that is super important being that we still absolutely need it today. Okay, so on that note, what happens when you're actually sleeping? Your body is going through these different cycles, you know, light sleep, REM sleep, deep sleep, all of them have their specific functions and 
qualities and things that they do uh, to help repair the body. But, for example, your brain. Your brain actually shrinks during the night when you're sleeping. And this is a good process that it's doing. It's actually cleaning itself as uh, and storing memories, um, processing the day. I mean, there's so much going on. But one of the big things is that it is. It's washing itself and it's cleaning off a lot of what's called amyloid plaque from the brain. Now, this is very important because there is some science showing that the amyloid plaque in the brain is linked to diseases such as Alzheimer's disease. Just sleep. Sleep it. Sleep it out. Sleep on it. Okay. Another crazy thing. When you work out at the gym, let's say you're hitting the bench, you're hitting the squats, working on the booty. You actually come out of that exercise worse than you did when you first went in because you created all these tears in your muscle fibers and you've broken the body down. You do not receive the benefits from that workout until you sleep that night. When you sleep, your body goes through the rest and repair process to rebuild those muscles and repair them back to their state and better. So really, when you sleep, that's when you gain all of those benefits of the exercise you did that previous day. Now, on that note as well, you actually burn fat or energy as you sleep. And I didn't think this was super true until I actually did wrestling back in the day. You know, a little Lucha Libre. No, not, 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 uh, not, 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 not Nacho Libre, all right. Um, I did just some some real some real uh, high school wrestling and uh, keeping the weight under control was something that everybody had to deal with. And what's crazy is if you weighed yourself after a good night's sleep, I mean, there were times that I came out of a sleep and I was I'd lost over a pound just from the sleep. One of my buddies had to cut some weight. He actually went home at lunchtime, took a nap, dropped like 0.5 pounds just in a sleep. So you are actually losing weight when you sleep, not a crazy amount, but you do. And it also does help with the following day in weight loss as well. So poor sleep can actually have you waking up in a pre-diabetic state. You can be less insulin sensitive which basically means pre-diabetic, for the most part, roughly, which is crazy. Just poor sleep can lead to that in one night. It's super important. Now, that's not to say if you have one night of bad sleep that you're just done for the rest of the week or month. No, our bodies can recover. They come back. It's okay. Bodies are super resilient. But on that note, it is super important to... Prioritize your sleep because you need it. Your body absolutely needs it. Now, on that note, poor sleep quality is associated with weight gain, like I said, prediabetes, lowered cognitive ability, and increased risk of cancer. In a study published by the Institute of Medicine Committee on Military Nutrition Research, whew, 
found that a group of soldiers that were only allowed to sleep four hours per night found a 50% decrease in their accuracy on the firing range within only four days. 50% decrease. Fast forward in that study to day 20, and they had roughly an 85% decrease in their accuracy as compared to day one. Just from sleep, all other factors held the same. That's how important it is. Your cognitive ability, your ability to make decisions, smart decisions, to perform your best in the world every single day starts when you hit that pillow. Need to prioritize it. Need to prioritize it. Well, that was our last one, y'all. So I'm going to recap one more, one more time. You've got increased water consumption, exercise minimum 30 minutes, eat more fruits and veggies, decrease fast food intake, watch the times you're eating, mindfulness or meditation, better relationships, and sleeping better. And there you have it. We've made it to our very last one. Thank you guys for staying along with me. I hope this has given you some very good and valuable information as well as some steps you can take today to start living a healthier life in a modern world because we've got a lot of stuff going on and a lot of conflicting ideas and opinions about what's healthy, what's not. But these things are generally always, always, always seen as the correct thing to do for your health. So focus on these, try to make some subtle changes, do what you can, don't stress yourself out over it, or else you're gonna need some more of that meditation. But do try to practice these in your day-to-day -day routines and see if you find any benefit from it. I'm sure you will if, if some of these are dramatic changes for you. Um, and I just really hope that I'm able to provide you guys with the correct information that is gonna work for you and your loved ones. So once again, thank you guys for tuning in to today's show of Elemental Evan Show. And it means so much to me. I hope you guys have a great day and I look forward to seeing you next week. Peace.